Hey dudes and dudettes, what is going on? Welcome to episode number 21 of the Lepressed and Guest podcast. My guest today is Sam Mitchell. Sam Mitchell is a surfer and co-founder of the alternative coffee product, Rubru. I have to say, when I first tried Rubru, I really enjoyed it. Then I found out I was actually putting too small of a portion size in the recommended cup. Uh, next day, when I poured my next cup, I switched to the correct portion size and found out I enjoyed it even more. This is made with superior ingredients. Rubru is also a company that considers impacts to their environment and community in their business practices. If you would like to learn more about Rubru and where you can grab your first pouch, visit www.drinkrubru.com. That's www.drinkrubru.com or follow them on TikTok or Instagram at drinkrubru. As a special thank you to all of my listeners, I have partnered up with Brew Brew to get you 20% off your first pouch. Enter promo code LAPRESS20 at checkout. That's L-O-P-R-E-S-T-20 at checkout. Once you get your hands on your first pouch and have enjoyed your first cup, be sure to leave them a great review and spread the good word to your mates. As always, thank you so much to everyone who listens and supports the LaPress and Guest podcast. I am so grateful for all of your support and feedback. And finally, last but not least, as always, a special thank you and shout out to the brave men and women of our United States military. For without your service and sacrifice, I would not be able to do what I love doing. I am always forever in your debt. It worked first time. Well, well, well. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's good to see your face. How you doing? Good, man. Always smiling when I get to stare at a beautiful mug right back at you. Uh, we do what we can. Absolutely. So first question I have for you, man. Are you living out in California now? So I am. I'm actually currently in Florida. Um, had a series of weddings. Um, so flew back from San Diego. But yeah, based out in San Diego these days. Um, I only moved there pretty recently, but I'm loving it. What what brought you out there? I haven't. Um, I just recently started uh, catching back up with you and following. What got you out to San Diego? Yeah, so um, basically graduated UF uh, and kind of worked corporate and then started Rubru. And I was based in Jacksonville Beach um, for the like you know two plus years. And uh, I traveled around a bit after I quit the corporate job and knew I wanted to switch it up and move elsewhere. Um, and San Diego was one of the places I visited and just absolutely fell in love with it. I mean, I'm, I'm a surfer, so I want to be near the coast. Um, so San Diego definitely checked that box with some good waves. Um, and then for Rubru, it kind of provided a lot of opportunity to sort of push onto the West Coast um, just because we're so East Coast based and kind of we were doing well over here, but wanted to move elsewhere. So um, the time was then, and I just drove across the country. Nice. So how long have you been surfing, and are you doing any type of competitions or stuff? I've been hearing um, kind of loosely through Jake Marsh and uh, Will Messina and some of the boys. Yeah, the grapevine. Um, yeah, I did. so I did um, college competitions. So I surfed for UF's club team, and we did NSSAs. Um, we actually went to nationals one year, which is really cool. Um, that was out in California as well. Uh, so yeah, it was a blast. Um, sort of since I've graduated, I do like 
some local stuff from time to time, but nothing too serious. What what goes into a surfing competition? What are they judging for and what are they looking for? Because I, <laughs> I know on skateboards, there's a lot of tricks and stuff you can do, but I'm just so new to that, starting to dive into the surfing world just because you, not to actually do, but just understand. Yeah, no, that's a really good question and definitely a question a lot of people have. Um, so basically, there's a panel of judges whenever there's a surf competition um, and you go out in a heat format generally. Um, so it'll be you versus like, whatever, five other guys or four other guys or three other guys, or sometimes there's man on man heats. Um, and basically it's like an elimination. So like round one, there might be 32 different heats. And then the next round is 16 heats and the next round is eight and then four, and then you have your final. Right. Um, but basically the way it works is it's all based on the judges, um, determination of your maneuvers. So, uh, you kind of want to string together a combination of maneuvers um, on each wave mm -hmm. and you get judged on your best two waves out of your heat. So basically like you could catch 10 waves or so, uh, but they'll only keep your top two scores and it's out of 20 usually. So um, basically they, you know, determine the scores and then the top three surfers or the top two surfers advance to the next round. Interesting. That's um such a unique way of judging. And I am um, I'm I'm a big football fan and kind of I guess what we would describe as the traditional American sports. And there there's a clear like score and you can see how you can get those scores and points. You know, you make a basket in basketball, right. cross the end zone, goal line, or get a field goal. So is it is it kind of almost all subjective when you're judging? Oh, for sure. For sure. And there's a lot of like judges catch a lot of heat for this. Like, I mean, it would almost be like, imagine a football referee and then like not having a first down. They're like, yep. you like, you know, like 10 ish yards and the referee is like, okay, yeah. Like first down, but no one really knows. Um, it's kind of like that in a sense, like, um, obviously these guys are professionals and the judges are very aware of like, what a strong maneuver is versus like a less good maneuver. But there's so many different types of maneuvers in surfing. Um, there's what we call like rail surfing, which is when you're like doing turns um, or there's airs, there's like, you know, f fin blows, there's barrels, there's all these different like types of maneuvers. And like, sometimes it definitely does get hard to like compare, okay, this guy did a really sick air, but he only did one maneuver versus um this other guy in his same heat had like three really nice carves mm -hmm. um so like who gets a better score there and that can be definitely a uh you know point of tough comparison yeah are they judging from the beach as well yeah so they'll be judging for the beach so in professional competitions and i wasn't doing professional um i mean the but the top so what they call the championship tour the ct I mean, they, these guys have like the most professional judges who this is their full-time job. And um, there are still so many debates. Like, I mean, you could have a close heat and you go follow up and check the Instagram comments on the heat recap or whatever. And people are just so angry with the judges 24 uh, seven. So it's hard. I mean, it's a very subjective sport for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Are they having you use binoculars or on these surfing competitions? How far out into the ocean are you guys typically going to be? It's It depends on the location. Um, so a lot of contests like around Florida, where I grew up, 
um, they're pretty close to shore, so they don't they don't really need any binoculars or like replay system. Um, but so, generally, they try to set it up so that they are close enough to like judge subjectively with their own eyeballs. Um, but they do in the championship tour. Um, they do have some events where it's like out in the middle of a reef in the middle of the ocean and they'll actually build like scaffolding out there so they can see. Um, but they'll also have a lot of like replays and different camera angles. So they, they don't have to judge things like right off. It's not like gymnastics. I think gymnastics and stuff. It's like subjective judging right off the bat. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, this is more of like, a, they can sit down and like write their notes and then like you know, it's usually like a minute, a- anywhere from like 30 seconds to like two minutes later, they come out with their score. And sometimes heats will end and someone will get a wave at the end of the heat and you like don't know what the score is and they like could either win or lose depending on it. And you know it's close mm-hmm. and everyone's just like waiting for the judges to come up with a score. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. And when you were at camp, for those who don't know, uh, Smitch and I met at uh, the summer camp we worked at, you were on the uh, water ski staff, right? So I did my first year. I did lacrosse. Um, oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We were pretty dirt in lacrosse, dude. I know yeah. we were. Um, we used to always get scrubbed in a lot of inner camps, but lacrosse, we would just wax people, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would wax you in lacrosse. It was a blast. Uh, there was there were some good kids who came and played for sure. Because uh, lacrosse for me was like in high school and early college, I was super into it and like I did all the recruiting tournaments and all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, coaching lacrosse was an absolute blast with these kids. Um, like, especially a lot of them, like, you know, they were pretty talented. And, um, yeah, they, they like, picked things up so fast. And it was cool to be able to – I was I feel like I was just, like, old enough to really pass along some good knowledge to them. Yeah. Uh, but then second year that I went back to camp, that's when I did, like, a little bit of lacrosse and a little bit of water ski staff. Yeah. And then yeah. you would typically, um, between water skiing, wakeboarding, you were more oh, wakeboarding. wakeboarding. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't go, I don't, I don't go parallel, dude. Yeah, yeah. Do you <laughs> do any um, snowboarding or skiing? Yeah, yeah. So like Boarding? snowboarding, yeah, snowboarding. Yeah. yeah, I don't go no, parallel. Board. I don't, I, I'll do the splits or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm a board guy for sure. Yeah. So how do you end up, um, in terms of water sports? What do is surfing your bigger passion outside of wakeboarding? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, I, I think I was like just qualified enough to teach wakeboarding. I definitely didn't rip by like, especially being in Florida, there's actually a huge wake community here. Yeah. Um, They're all like based out of Orlando area. And those guys are like insane. Yeah. I mean, they absolutely rip. And I, I was like qualified enough to teach kids how to like get up and, you know, learn, like learn to wakeboard, but I, I'm not doing any like tantrums or whatever. Those, oh my like, God. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah i think there was one year at pre-camp it might have been um a year you were at pre-camp i think they let us go out on the um the boats just because we were ahead of schedule with the work and stuff and mm-hmm. i was begging joe wolf to just slow down because he's, he's oh, yeah. Joe's gnarly. yeah 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 joe, I Joe's gnarly. yeah joe was probably one of the better wakeboarding staff that we had but he's so humble oh, for sure. that he would always talk about himself like he was the biggest the worst wakeboarder in camp <laughs> I remember knowing that he ripped. I was like, "This this kid shreds." Yeah, this yeah, kid he, shreds. He won't talk about it, but he shreds. Yeah. So you're um you were talking about uh doing the corporate life. What made you want to get out of it? And then let's talk about this company that you uh started, Rubru. What what yeah. made you want to leave the corporate life? 
For sure. So, um, but man, I think I, I don't think I ever pictured myself behind a desk in a cubicle. And, um, you know, sometimes things surprise you. So I got a degree in construction project management from University of Florida, mm. um, which at that point, I, I kind of knew that construction wasn't the end all be all for me. Um, I really wanted to do something like in the realm of sustainable building and such. But um, yeah, I kind of knew it, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew that I would have a job out of college, which was huge. Um, and so I I just rolled with it basically. And I got a job um, at a great company, um, worked for them for two years doing water and wastewater construction, yeah. which we always joke, it's shitty. I don't know if we can curse on here, but. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can curse, let it fly. Oh, and, fuck um, yeah, let's go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I'm already, let's fucking I'm, go. I've already, I've already stopped myself like four times. Like, all right. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so we always joke that it was shitty work because yeah. um, you're working with wastewater, but it, I learned so much. It was great. I was partly on site, which I enjoyed a lot more because um, you're up and moving, you're doing stuff. But I kind of got stuck in this pre-construction world because our project kept getting pushed back and pushed back. And so I was in a cubicle in our big office, our headquarters in Jacksonville um, for like a year and a half out of the two years that I worked there. And I just was losing my mind. Um, I'm like not a sedentary person. I hate sitting down. Um, so I, I just sort of like knew I needed some sort of excitement. Um, obviously the pay was great, which is awesome. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't very fulfilling for me. And I, I was stuck staring at a computer screen for, you know, eight nine hours a day um which yeah. was really taxing for me so yeah. and i think one of the things that um camp highlighted for me and i think possibly for you and people who really enjoyed that summer camp experience is that it is so important to find a job that you absolutely enjoy doing and that you love doing oh yeah it's oh. it's not it's not always going to be uh sunshines and roses but i think the majority of your days need to be you're not dreading waking up and there you obviously want to make ends meet and you don't want to be in a financially bad place, but man, chasing that dollar at a, at a certain point, you've got to make sure that you're the trade-off isn't you're trading off your happiness. Oh, a hundred percent, dude. I could go down a long road talking about this. Um, I think go it ahead, is very, very interesting um especially when you travel and when you work other jobs and when you see other cultures um the american mindset and for some reference my my dad is australian i i was born overseas i like i've kind of spent a lot of my life like traveling around and experiencing these different cultures and americans and it's not necessarily american people but it's like the american culture that has this mindset where you have to work 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 in order to sustain like some sort of lifestyle level that everyone is competing for and if you don't spend your whole day working and grinding and hustling and whatever like you're gonna fall behind and i really like genuinely don't think that's the case um and if you look at some other cultures like especially some of the european um lifestyles like spanish they take a nap at 2 p.m every day um 
which is amazing. But yeah, like this whole mindset that you have to work eight hours a day plus whatever, it, it's crazy to me. I saw so many people working at Has or working at my other company, um, who there's no way they were doing more than like four hours of work a day, five hours of work a day. And they were like, you know, high level people, low level people, everyone. No one was doing eight hours of hard work a day without losing their mind. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people just sat around the office and they chatted and they gossiped or they watched sports on their computers, but you're just sitting there like earning money. Um, so yeah, I think in my opinion, there could be some shifts in the work culture um, to sort of optimize what we're doing while mm -hmm. we're doing it and give us the free time to live our lives um, when we're not. But that said, um, based on what you're saying, if you're going to work out eight hours a day, you better bloody love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so funny because I was having a talk with a coworker this morning and she's um, got a wedding that she's got to go to in a few months and it's going to be international and she's going to end up taking a few weeks off rather than just one week. And I said, that's one thing I admire about European cultures and a lot of Southeast, almost any culture outside of the U.S. with a few exceptions is when they take a vacation or a holiday, as our um, co-counselors from across the pond would call it, they're gone for, it seems like a minimum three weeks or a month at a time just to enjoy it. And I said, I would love to do that in the U.S., but we kind of got tricked and duped into this materialistic lifestyle and we've got to keep up with the Joneses. And if you want to keep up with the Joneses, it's if they're working 80 hours a week just to keep up by nature, you've got to work 80 hours a week. And I think you're exactly right, Sam, is that I think we're slowly going to start to see this shift where companies are getting more concerned about, hey, we don't want you here for 40 hours a week. We just want the work to get done. You have a project that we need to get done. If it takes you two hours, great. If it takes you two weeks, great. But I think we're slowly starting to shift towards where companies are getting a little more loose and relaxed and realizing that in most situations and cases, they're working with adults who they can start to trust to just show up and do their job you know definitely definitely and that transition comes from companies moving from chasing revenue mm -hmm. to chasing good or um you know like community benefits or whatever something other than this endless pursuit of increasing revenue and that's something i saw um very firsthand at my corporate company we would have these like quarterly meetings where we were talking about revenue and and it was stuff that was well above my pay grade but i was in included and i did learn a lot about um what a standard uh corporation in the american world is and it is a revenue chaser right like mm -hmm. okay we've made you know two million in revenue this year next year our goal is three million after that, our goal is 5 million after that, And the only way to reach those goals, if that is what your company goals are, the only way to reach them is to increase your productivity, right? So you've got faster deadlines, you've got more work, you've got, and it's just cramming more into your calendar year. Um, so what I, am, what I am starting to see, and I, what I think you were touching on is um, a lot of companies moving towards something that is not necessarily a revenue chaser. So um, B corporations are a great example of this. And B corporations is something that Rubru would really like to be for sure. Um, it, it's kind of something on our list as we grow. But um, B corporations, if have you heard of them? No, explain that to me, what that is. 
so B corporations basically don't abide by the standard um, goals of like an LLC. Um, so B Corp is, I think it stands for like a like better corporation or something. And it's a certification that basically says the way that your company operates is that it puts good for the people, the planet, um, the community, et cetera, in front of profits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of locks you into these like corporate bylaws of in, in order to obtain the certification. It locks you into these corporate bylaws of like, okay, we need to do like X amount of good for the world with the money that we're making in order to stay at B Corp rather than, and we can increase that amount of good exponentially mm-hmm. and chase that amount of good instead of chasing just your profit. Yeah, that, that seems to be where um, when companies get so big and especially if they have stock options, that's where it can get kind of messy because then it seems like your obligation isn't necessarily to, it's to do what's best for the shareholders. And sometimes what's best for the shareholders right. can come at a cost maybe to the environment. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So yeah. so a company that is a B corporation will be locked into locked into the bettering the world thing rather than like just having to listen to shareholders and such, which is, is definitely a beneficial thing. That's one kind of fun thing. If you're out like shopping for different products, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times if I see B Corp on a product, like my, I know my deodorant is a B Corp. Um, a lot of, like I buy this granola that's a D Corp, B Corp. Um, so yeah, that's like a fun thing you can check out while shopping. Cause it kind of, shows that you're supporting and the thing is if you as a all of this comes from the consumer right Mm -hmm. so if we as a society decide to support um companies that aren't just chasing revenue so we start buying like uh if let's say you're a big soda drinker right i'm Mm -hmm. not but let's say you're a big soda drinker you've always drank coca-cola um but you want to do something better for the world then start finding some sort of soda alternative that's made by a smaller company that is a B Corp that's better for the world. And then what that does is that puts Coca-Cola in its place by yeah. letting them know that the consumer isn't interested in them having the biggest revenue next year. They're interested in them making a difference for the environment. Yeah, and I think we're um, slowly starting to see that trend and that shift. And one point of emphasis I'm trying to make with my shopping is I'm trying to buy local as much as I can, if local slash slash American if I can. And I'm I'm willing. <coughs> I was talking about this with Joe Wolf when we, we talk once a week usually. I'm willing to pay a little bit more for American brands and for better corporations because I want the workers to be taken care of and that usually seems to be the trade-off. It seems like you're very aware and conscious of it, that if I am going to go with these products, the trade-off is that I'm going to be paying more. And everybody seems to want the the corporations that are doing the right things for the world the right way and taking care of their associates. Well, that typically is going to cost a little bit more, which me personally, I'm willing and I'm in a position where I'm able to do that. Right. And that's a huge point that you're making. Um, unfortunately, not everyone can afford that. That's very true. Um, but what is nice to know is that the more that people convert to products in the USA, to products that do good, the cheaper that becomes. So for mm-hmm. us, um, for Rubri, for example, we are made in the USA. Um, we are you know, organic. We are whatever. So, so some of our stuff does come at a premium. But if we increase our sales, 
mm -hmm. um, based on consumers wanting to spend that little extra money, then we can purchase in a higher quantity, which then decreases our price, right? So it, it's kind of like a give and take, like the more people that spend a little bit extra money on premium products, the cheaper those products can be. And you want to hope that those companies that are doing good are okay with lowering their prices as they grow. Yeah, absolutely. Which again, you want to, it takes a while, but you want to look into companies and just see where your dollar is going and how they're spending it and kind of, you know, find products and companies that align with your values as well, which it sounds like you're doing. Definitely, definitely. So we've mentioned it a bunch. What is Rubru and how did it get started? What um, what made you start this company? Yeah, we can we can uh, let all the listeners stop waiting anxiously for these answers. We got to build up the suspense. <laughs> know, we we got to build, build it up. up. Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Rubru is a healthy coffee alternative. It's a blend of eight superfoods, herbs, and spices. Um, our whole idea is that we wanted to take the good energy of coffee and cut out the bad side effects. So the jitters, the anxiety, the 2 p.m. crash, the stomach issues from the acid. Um, so get rid of all that, replace it with positive side effects. Um, so we've basically every ingredient is sort of formulated to do something beneficial for your brain and body, whether it's improved cognitive function, whether it is uh, good for your skin, whether it's good for your heart health, whether it's anti-inflammatory and good for recovery. Um, we've got a mushroom in there that's great for your immune system. We've got maca root, which is great for your vitality and your sexual health. Um, there's all sorts of good stuff. Yeah. Sexual health is always a plus. Can't beat that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Go, uh, go have some good, good sex. Yeah, exactly. Every, I mean, tell me one thing to make your life better. Good sex. Yeah, and seriously, a maca root is a like powerful, powerful root. Um, I, I think anyone who's having any sort of like sexual issues should supplement with it. It's great for like Hormonal balance is great for your overall like sexual health. Um, yeah, you you could go on about it. How long until you see Rubru right next to condoms in stores? How long until that? Oh, uh, dude. I mean, I would go there. Now. I would go there tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd be if we could be in the CVS condom section. Mm -hmm. uh, just yeah, straight up boner support. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. Yeah. That, Absolutely. I mean, that's. That's Rubru's like, you know, eventual mission. <laughs> yeah, and I gotta tell you, I um, I let some of my coworkers try it out, and probably the biggest feedback I got on top of it being just a good product and doing everything you said it was, was how well you guys branded and marketed yourself. How did how did that come about? And thank I, you, thank you. I saw the um one of the questions I had for you was the Australian theme, but you knocked that out with uh your family history. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So um. We, we definitely wanted, when we were creating this company, um, so it's myself, my buddy Luke, and my other buddy Chris, and we were kind of like going through the branding phase, and um, the design work is something that I, I personally have done, like all our design and stuff. Really? And, um, which is, yeah, that's, 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 that's an interesting. That's good shit. That, appreciate it. That, that could be an, an interesting other conversation, because I went in completely clueless. It's kind of funny. Um, I never studied graphic design or anything, but... Um, you know, we, we wanted to bring this Australian mindset, um, of fun and enjoying your day. And take, so Australians have this saying, it's called taking the piss. And, um, it's basically making fun of stuff. 
Yeah. Uh, but in, in a in a positive way. It's not in that like degrading, making fun of people way, yeah. but making fun of the situation, having a laugh at like if you're put in a bad situation, you just have a laugh at it, right? Like, you know, it starts raining and you don't have an umbrella, or whatever. You like ah, a bit wet outside, eh? You're like take the piss of it, you know? Yeah, dude. That's what I uh, talked to Jake Marsh about was um one of our day offs when we did that epic float down the Saco River. And it is literally just pouring that night and we're just like, let fuck it, let's just float the Saco River. And then somebody told me they're like, Yeah, but it's raining. I was like, What what better place to be than a fucking river if it's gonna be raining? <laughs> Are we just gonna go to Portland again and all try and cram in and watch a movie? No, let's yeah, you you wanna you you're gonna be wet regardless. You might as well be in a river. Yeah, a bit wet, eh? Yeah, that's like some sometimes people I'll go I'll be like, Oh, I'm going to surf and they're like but it's raining. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be in the fucking water anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you can surf when it rains. I'm like, yeah. yeah, believe so, it or not. So were you a big coffee drinker? Is that kind of what propelled you to? Yeah. So, you know? yeah, sorry. I kind of didn't. No, no, I interrupted you. Story. No, you're good. You're good. This is, this is how good conversations should go yeah. um, all over the fucking place. Sure. <laughs> um, so basically I was working um, that corporate job and I was just watching people pound coffee, right? Cause you're right. You're not moving. You're at a desk. You're sitting there all day and you're supposed to be like locked into a fucking Excel sheet or whatever. And you, you gotta have some sort of stimulant in a sense to, to really be on that. Um, so I had tried the coffee thing. Um, and I, I really had like a love hate with it. I did feel the energy and I did like the energy to an extent, but I, I would always have this like really intense come up with the jitters and the anxiety. I couldn't drink it on an empty stomach cause it hurt my stomach. Um, and then it, I feel like it just hurt my stomach regardless. Like even if I had a meal before, like I'd get all uh, upset, tummy. Um, and yeah, just, and I still had such a heavy afternoon crash, like 2 PM would hit no matter how many cups I drank 2 PM hit. And I was like, ready to go to sleep. Um, so I, I really wasn't feeling the whole coffee thing. And I had tried a couple other coffee alternatives. Um, one of which is, is definitely the biggest in our space, uh, mud water. A lot of people have heard of it. Um, but it was really like chalky and gritty and the taste wasn't good. And I kind of like had to force myself to get it down. And then it, it also is so low on the caffeine that like, I didn't really like feel that much from it. I mean, I think it's very mushroom based and I think the mushrooms are beneficial for sure. Um, but it wasn't like doing much for my like brain stimulation. Mm -hmm. Um, so I kind of was, yeah, in this like rut of what am I going to do for energy? And, um, uh, at the same time I was putting a lot of stuff in my smoothies that I was drinking in the mornings, like maca root or whatever. Um, and I was kind of on this like nutrition binge of just trying to learn as much as possible. Um, especially as like an athlete, um, you know, like I would go to the gym in order to surf better. I would like stretch every night and every morning in order to surf better. And I wanted to eat right in order to surf better. Um, so I was definitely paying a, a lot of attention to nutrition and I started, sort of started like pulling some ingredients for my smoothies as well as um, stumbling upon some other ingredients kind of by luck that I wanted to include. And yeah, I basically just, I, I joked that I was like Walter White in the kitchen. 
Like I was literally had all these powders that I bought at Whole Foods and I was just like mixing shit. And some of them taste, I, I would like test them on my roommates and my friends and my family. Some of them tasted God awful. Yep. And people, people would be like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is all right. And I'm like, okay, that's, you can just tell me real, it sucks. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I told my friends when they were testing it out at work yesterday is I, I just want good, honest feedback. That way I can provide him with honest feedback. I'm not just going to go on the podcast and be like, Hey, they think it's this awful, you know, I'm not going to just bash him or anything, but I got nothing but good feedback and reviews. And one person said that they were doing mud water. And like you said, it was, um, I think it was a good foundation for, um, a coffee, um, a coffee alternative and way to kind of like create a market and a space for that. But they said the same thing. They're like, they were kind of having to force their way through it. And again, it was a good foundation for other companies to create a market in space, but it wasn't quite there yet. And it seems like yours has capitalized on some of the stuff they may not have been able to quite yet achieve. And my friends and coworkers loved it. Awesome. That's so good to hear. That's so good to hear. There's definitely nothing that I love more than having a mud water convert. It's, a, it's right up above a coffee convert <laughs> um, yeah. just because you know a little friendly competition um, but I think you're right I think Mudwater did open up that space and they've done an amazing job at finding their niche um, and having like a very great following and great marketing sense um, and I think we're trying to sort of hit a different niche you know we're, we're not trying to necessarily hit people who want to cut out of caffeine completely um, we're not trying to hit people who look you don't have to wake up every morning, journal, meditate, take an ice bath, do breath work, do yoga mm -hmm. to drink our stuff, right? Yeah. Like you can just wake up and drink our stuff and feel good and go enjoy your day. And if you want to have a beer in the evening, who cares? Any good Australian would. Yeah. And um, um, of course, make sure you're the legal drinking age. Sam and I can't support that enough. We've never <laughs> underage drank. Let's just say that. Yeah, not even once. Not not even once. I certainly don't have two hundred. Not even if there was a fire. On the record, I there's there's no way yeah. of knowing. Not even if there's a fire, Nick. Not even if there's a fire. Nope. No. <laughs> uh, one of the tough questions I did want to ask, and I did say I was going to hold your feet to the fire about this. How many kangaroos do you use per package? Ah, uh, you know it's a good question. Um, See, our kangaroos, they're, they're gluten-free, they're organic, okay. they're free-range, yeah. and none of them are harmed in the making of Rubru. Uh, they, they just pose for the pictures, you know? Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I had a few PETA-friendly But I, I, I'd say an average of like 2.5, for sure. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, they're, they're But, the, but the, la the labor laws in Australia are completely different, and, and the kangaroos are protected. Yeah, all right. So, yeah, just only the best ingredients, and there are a few kangaroos in each uh, each batch and if anybody thinks we're serious we 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 aren't <laughs> if, if if you think we're serious go drink some mud water yeah <laughs> nice shot nice shot um when what were some of the biggest challenges just getting this thing off the ground and starting oh man dude it's funny i was i was actually i was kind of thinking a little bit before we jumped on this podcast because this is the first podcast we've done which re really thank you for inviting uh, me to be on here it's a blast already thank you thank you for sending me out the package man i um at some point in the near future because it got delayed because of the hurricane are you guys thinking about switching from the u.s postal service to kangaroo delivery is is that in the plans at all yeah generally if you're in a 20 mile radius we'll send one hopping out to you 
Um, but yeah, right, right now. So we've been kind of training them for longer distances, but, of course. but, but yeah, you know, we need a, a few more leg day. we need a few more leg days in the gym. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was, I was thinking back kind of like before I came on this podcast, I was thinking back to some of the conception phases of Rubru and kind of the early days. And I was still working um, at my other company when we started Rubru. And so I was working like a ton of hours. Um, basically, we were, you know, building this website, we were designing these labels, we were trying to figure out how, like, what legally we needed to do, what, like, what lawyers we had to talk to, how to get, I mean, eventually we got our organic certifications and stuff, but that was after I quit. Uh, but essentially I was doing a bunch of stuff while working this eight hour plus a day corporate job that was very involved. Um, we were in the midst of like a big project. So I remember a couple of times where I was like, so delirious and you're also obsessed, right? Like you're, you're like, so I, I slept eight dreamed rubru. Like I would wake up with these ideas and I just like grab a notepad and just jot some stuff down and go back to bed. Um, which I do recommend for anyone who has good ideas while they're sleeping i think a lot of people do yeah i'm doing that with my comedy and my podcast and oh nice yeah so but yeah, yeah so you were just kind of but obsessed with it so yeah i'm i'm obsessed and i'm like sleeping badly i'm trying i'm trying caffeinated beverages at night <laughs> um, yeah, to trying to figure out what's schedule. good yeah exactly yeah exactly and um <laughs> if only we had rubru back then um but i remember one time being like so delirious i had just eaten i think it was it was the morning time and i was like just logging out of my computer and i just had a, a bowl of oats or something and i was sort of like walking around and i had to take a pee but i also had to wash my oats bowl and i kind of like woke up woke up and i was washing my oats bowl in my bathroom sink <laughs> oh nice wow yeah so. just completely like like washing it with hand soap or something i was like what the hell am i doing i need it so that kind of that was a big wake-up moment where i was like okay you know what i need to shift some priorities and like like get some good sleep stop being so obsessed with this like it, it, like just let it come in time and so we we sort of you know we took our time to get things out there and that was a better approach than being sleep deprived <laughs> yeah but um not to say we're going through the same challenges or anything but in terms of trying to get my podcast going getting guests and editing and producing and all of that stuff and same with comedy is you're essentially working two full-time jobs but you're only getting one paycheck you know and when oh, you're starting yeah. up a business or a career or something from scratch you've really got it goes back to find something you enjoy doing because that enjoyment and that passion and that mission that you have is going to have to get you through phases of all right, we're eight months into it and I'm down thousands of dollars. I have yet to generate income and we're still a month or two away from the product actually getting out to a store. So you really got to love what you're doing and be ready for some uh, challenges that come along with it. Dude, it's scary as hell. And I totally understand that feeling. And it's something, it's something that I've been battling with for the last, like, I mean, we started this business over a year and a half ago now. Um, close to two years ago. Right. Okay. And, um, we're completely self-owned. We're self-funded. Um, 
we essentially don't take much from the company. Most of it goes right back into the company. And um, all of us work other jobs. Like I work at a bar at night. Um, so we kind of pick and choose on your sacrifices, right? Like I, for me personally, um, taking this risk to do something that I really want to do that may turn into a full-time career that may turn into a really successful business is worth it right now, um, to sacrifice my, like, you know, the 401k and such that I was having at my other job. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's scary. It's scary financially. And and you got to hustle. Like my, my days, I pretty much surf in the morning real quick, work on a Rubru, and then I go work at a bar. And it's a grind. But I, I get my social tax in at the bar. I get my, you know, Rubru done during the day. And I get to surf and be active in the morning. And, and it kind of works for me. So you got to find out what works for you, for sure. Absolutely. And I, you've got a really, um, I think the trade-off and the sacrifice is the best way to put it is, no matter how successful, what type of person you are, we all only get 24 hours in a day, you know? So time can be the great equalizer. So you've got to really, really prioritize what's important to you and really shift and focus your schedule around that. And that's something that I'm starting to do. I, I've been getting too out of control and out of hands with different hobbies and stuff I have. And while they're fun and enjoyable, I, I need to focus on getting podcasting and stand up going to eventually, hopefully be able to leave the corporate world. Although I do enjoy my job a lot right now, but um, I think much like yourself and a lot of other camp counselors, you, you get to camp and if you really enjoy that lifestyle, you quickly realize that ah, I don't want a traditional corporate job. You know, right. I want to enjoy what I'm doing and I also want to make a positive lasting impact on people in my immediate and direct community like Rubru is doing. Dude, for sure, for sure. Um, man, you hit on so many things there. I, I'm like blanking out on all of them. <laughs> um, I really, I really agree with you though. Like, I think it's so important to do something that you like and you're going to have to make sacrifices for it in the short term, but in the long term, it's really worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's to say maybe something you're interested in or have been in your life that you can't do it ever, but you may have to put that on the back burner, or take it completely off the stove for a little bit, just so you can focus on the stuff that you need to focus on. And yeah. dude, it sounds like you're doing that, man. I was going to say, I, it came back to me what I was going to say last thing. Okay. I, I, so similarly to you, I think, and this is something I had to learn is I, I have like a creatively sporadic brain, right? Like I love um, creative pursuits. I love, I, I've been, you know, I'm really into like video making. I'm really into um, our own version of comedy. I don't know if you ever saw another broken fence, but we did some pretty questionable skits for a little bit of COVID. I'll, I'll um, check it out. Man, they, they actually, uh, a couple of them like blew up on TikTok. Like, and then we sort of stopped doing it because everyone like, you know, we got girlfriends or whatnot and life and, and we were like, okay, we're 20 girls, we pretty questionable stuff, but yeah. Those girls will get um, you if you're not careful. They get you every time. Right. I've been getting Sneak sidetracked recently you. myself. So. Sneak up on you. They, they you gotta do. watch out. Yeah. But um, it, like what you were saying about kind of picking things to focus on is, is so important. Like it, was so hard for me and it still is to this day like I have so many ideas or fun things I want to do um things I want to learn or things I want to create or businesses I want to get into or like more get skits and sketches that I want to do 
And sometimes you got to realize that you, you don't have time for all that, right? Like you got to, you got to narrow down some things and figure out what's really important for you and what is going to benefit you in the longer term and maybe free up some of your time so that you can pursue some of that stuff. Yeah. So I'm slowly getting to that point and I, I need to do a lot better. I want to do, I want, I want to do anything and everything all at once and know that. <laughs> Dude, I know the feeling. How did you realize and get to a point where you were like, all right, I'm, I'm probably doing a bit too much and need to really just funnel this down into, for me, I try not to focus on more than like four or five different things. And those things are just stuff like work, maybe a hobby or two I want to do and just health and fitness, like working out and diet. How, how did you come to that realization and start you know, narrowing down to what you needed to focus on? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think I, I think I probably just hit points of like being overwhelmed too many times in a row mm -hmm. um, where I, I was like, you know, writing stuff down on my sort of like, I kind of do like a little daily um, planner of sorts and like writing down stuff and being like, how in the hell am I trying to accomplish all of this in one day? And it's, and also like my brain would just jump from like, like realm to realm not even like task to task but like like rubru to skit to like surf training and then i'm like okay i'm like way too mixed up here and so i kind of sat there and was like all right like i will always love surfing that's my like biggest passion day to day like i'm going to surf every day otherwise i kind of lose my mind so that's one of them right i've got that um rubru is for me like my biggest work motivator um it's so fun owning a business with your friends and trying to grow something so that's in there and then other than that i've sort of got like whatever i need to do to make myself be able to earn a living which is working at the bar and then time with friends and family and stuff and um that's sort of like the most like you can sort of like generalize all the other stuff like okay like with my free time you know i'll, I'll spend time with those that i love and care about um but then yeah when when i was trying to add other stuff into like the main the core too of rubru and surfing it was like getting a bit too much to handle so yeah and that's what i'm slowly trying to wean my schedule down because i was looking at all the hobbies and passion projects i wanted to do on top of work and other ways to generate income and finance and i wrote out my schedule i was like okay cool i have 48 minutes a week I can sleep. That should be. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And dude, I still struggle with it completely. Like I, I like, we're probably going to film a skit this week and just have like a little comeback skit since I'm back in town visiting Florida. Like Don't call it it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard. And especially when you like love and enjoy something and it's like, I mean, for us, it's hilarious to get the, the homies together and like do these stupid skits. Um, and so, you know, like, it, it, it is a never ending battle, but I think that's a, it's a good way to live, right? Like you're yeah. having fun, you're pursuing things that you like, and that's what matters. Yeah. And that's what I was kind of thinking about last night is just how exhaustive kind of a lifestyle like mine or yours is, but man, it can be fun because it seems like for you and I, I don't want to necessarily speak for you, but it seems we do kind of want to chase stuff that's enjoyable and fun. We don't want to be negligent about our finances and you're not just 
running Ruber at a financial loss, but you also want it to be meaningful and enjoy it and not just only focus on, like you said, okay, we earned 2 million this year. Now we're going to three, then four, and just keep cramming more work into the same amount of time. Exactly. Is it, uh, is it too early to read my quote? Because it's extremely applicable to what we're talking about right no, now. No, go ahead and read it right now, man. What, what's your quote, man? I appreciate you uh, coming, uh, coming with the homework assignment complete. No, no worries at all. I, I love a good quote. Um, so this quote is from, do you know Paulo Coelho? He's a author. He wrote The Alchemist, which is a pretty yes. popular book. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So he uh, wrote The Alchemist, which, you know, blew up. I think he's Brazilian. Um, but he actually, he wrote another book that I kind of like stumbled upon, uh, and it's called Veronica Decides to Die. Kind of a dark book, okay. but it has a really good message um, in classic Paul Coelho. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Paulo Coelho form. Um, really good message. And so the quote goes, the danger of an adventure is worth 1,000 days of ease and comfort. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. so my one of my best friends actual when i was going through a tough time he sent me um this instagram and he was one of my biggest inspirations for finally um getting stand-up comedy and podcasts going because dude like you said i'm kind of starting my own business it it's people yeah. ask me they're like what's it like and it's fun but it's also constant fear and constant yeah. just it's constant scary fear. and it's hard and it's fun. Yeah. There are just so many emotions going on. But he sent me a quote that said, and it was basically of his way of saying like, hey, nut up or shut up. And I'm so thankful that he sent it. He's like, we can stand in the safety of comfort or we can walk towards growth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gives me chills almost. Yeah. And it, it's probably scary just because you're creating your own roadmap as you go. You're trying to navigate this course and like at your corporate job, you probably had a good corporate roadmap of how you could excel and climb the ladder in that company. But when you're starting your company, you're you're creating that map. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're creating your day to day. It's crazy. Yeah. Like you're literally waking up and being like, okay, I could do a thousand things today. I'm sure you feel this way. Like you're like, I could there's a thousand things I could do today. How do I prioritize what is important for my business? What helps out my team the most? And what puts us in the right direction versus like waking up and going to a job where it's just like, okay, you know, this is what your boss wants you to do, get it done for the day and then go home and you're good. And you got a medical insurance plan, which is kind of an important thing, but. <laughs> yeah, it is, but uh, you're exactly right. And that's, again, what I'm trying to do is I'm constantly trying to do a thousand things a day. And I really need to sit down and have that hard, honest conversation with myself and be like, what, are your actual priorities, you know? Mm -hmm. And those thousand things a day need to be about three to five. I I would suggest at least for myself. Doesn't mean so one one of those things again, but right now it needs to be these three or five. One little method I found um, that just what you're saying reminded me of uh, that's really helped me is to sort of work backwards. So start with your okay mm. this year. I want to, so for us, like this year, I want to sell X amount of Rubru and I want to support communities with X amount of fundraisers. And I want to um, like apply for a B corporation. Like these are our three big yearly goals, right? Mm -hmm. And 
so you take that yearly goal and then you build out your monthly goal from that. Like, what am I doing this month to support those goals? So it might be like, sell this amount of units, do two fundraisers, uh, you know, one for the Florida hurricane and one to support a run club, um, which is something we've done in the past. It's a blast. And then you take those monthly goals and you break it down into your weekly and then you pull out your dailies from that weekly. Right. Um, so you're sort of like working backwards based on your big year long goals. And then that way, everything that you're doing on a day to day basis pulls into, or like feeds into that yearly goal. And that's, that's some good, helpful advice. And I really appreciate that, man. I'm just working on that right now. Just wrote it down and I'm going to try and start reverse engineering some of this stuff, dude. Hell yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, this is just stuff that's, I think, cause like, I feel you so much on that. Like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're starting this podcast and for me, like the past two years has been trying to experience or like having that same experience, like, holy shit, how do I handle a thousand to do's and like, how do I prioritize it? How do, how do I even know what to do? Yeah. So one of my guests, my most recent guest, one of my good friends at work, he just came on and he got a lot of good feedback about Arch episodes. And he said um, some of his friends recommended that he do a podcast. So I think he's going to come back over with me and do a podcast. And he said he just wants me to mentor him. And I'm just blown away, humbled. And I'm also like, I don't even know what I'm doing. You know, I, I don't <laughs> even know how this is happening. You know, I'm just, I'm just a goofball, just trying to have conversations with friends. And I recently just graduated from Purdue this past year as a communications major. Congrats. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You know, um, it was a 15-year journey. And I know for people who go in five, they say they took the victory lap. And my joke was, <laughs> we we had to go in the garage. We had to get some work done under the hood. We, we... <laughs> uh, well, you fucking got it done. That's what matters. Yeah. But... And, and, you know, it's the experience along the way. You've had a hell of an experience. Yeah, it was fun. And I'm kind of glad that it happened that way because I um, got to go walk across the aisle in Indianapolis where Purdue is kind of located out of. And then I got to have a celebration dinner with uh, Will Stone and his beautiful wife, Susie, and their, uh, their uh, newborn Finley. So oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. I hope they're doing well. That, that's a good bloke right there. Yeah. But I remember just at camp, it was such a blessing looking back that we could not use our technology because especially during pre-camp and stuff where you really got to bond with like some of those veteran counselors and stuff like that. I think back to what they would always say is that they felt just being outdoors and just with a bunch of close people is how the way life should be. And those are yeah. some of my most fond memories. And that's what's most important to me is just getting to know people, hearing their stories, hearing what they're passionate about and just getting to know them. and we're not always going to agree on everything, but I think you and I are good enough friends to where I could be like, huh, that's an interesting perspective. Or now I see why he thinks that way. And I think that's what we need most now going on in this world. We need good companies like Rubru who are focused on the right things like community. And we just need people having face-to-face -face conversations and just shooting the shit. Dude, for sure. There is nothing more important than shooting the shit with your friends. I mean, Thanks. that if, if that could block off one big area of my like important things, it would, um, which it does, I think. And and you bringing up pre-camp and stuff, that brings back such fond memories for me. 
Um, and it's something I think about really often, actually. Um, just sitting around, like I remember so well, you know, those huge piles of wood chips that we would have to deal with? Like, oh, yeah. And for listeners, I'm talking about like, like overhead piles of wood chips that we were shoveling and um, mulching is what it's called. I was yeah. trying to think of the word. Yeah. Um, just then... straight up hard labor. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a group of us and no one's got phones. I don't even think we had like music playing for the most part. We would just sit there and talk shit yeah. for for the entirety of this head high piece of like huge thing of mulch. And yeah. I remember playing like we play games like contact and it's yeah. all these like creative thinking stuff, like whether it's just being quick on your feet while you're shooting shit or you're playing contact. And it's it's so beneficial to like your overall ability to like relate to people and conversate with people and connect with people. Yeah. And they did such a good job of hiring counselors that really fit that culture. So you had just a lot of similar like-minded, just cool ass people. And then you think about how many awesome international staff we got to work with. So we add that into the fold and dude, I just, I didn't even, even if they gave us act and with pre-camp, it was a little more relaxed. You could have your phone on you. I think nobody really wanted to check it except for just to change the music every now and then, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, they really did do such a good job. Not only hiring cool, cool ass counselors, like homies, people that I still love and care about and talk to. Um, I know like, dude, shout out to Jake Marsh and Richie Guile. We had the best fucking time yeah um, in our cabin and richie just got married to evan yeah. oh Dill, shout out to sick. richie and evan and the also boiler up richard congrats yeah guys. yeah um man we had such a fucking blast and not only is it because because they hire cool people but they also cultivate such a strong sense of community and such a good good fun engaging work environment that you're like so happy to be there and that's something that we've definitely tried to like transfer on to rubru um and i think luke and chris are also really great about this my my business partners they they want to have a fun work environment they want our like you know we have we have a couple interns that help us out and stuff and they they want them to not only learn but to also enjoy the process as they go and to not have that like super stressful deadline type stuff like you know when shit needs to be done it needs to be done but we want to have a sense of community. We want to get on calls and laugh and shoot the shit a bit. And, you know, we're, we're there to work, but we're also there to connect with each other. And I think that really shows through with how our company comes across. Awesome. So one final question I have is in terms of Rubru, what's your kind of, I think we've already touched on a little bit, but I just want to get a more concrete answer. What's your mission slash vision and why is it to have Will Messina personally pour every cup of coffee, uh, every cup of rubru into your mouth. Why is that such a critical part of the company's foundation? You know, to have him be ab- your Aaron boy. It's absolutely crucial for Will Messina to pour every single cup of rubru um, for not only us, but for all of our consumers, because mm-hmm. he is just such a bloody funny folk. Yep. He doesn't speak in normal language, he speaks in mm-hmm. jokes. And for those of you that don't know, he has a very tricky fake tooth. And I'm hoping that one day enough Rubru will support his body so that he can grow yeah. back a real one. 
I, dude, when we would do the I get a good feeling dance, he would always just turn around and then he would always turn into me and just pull the tooth out because he <laughs> know it creeped me out. Like, dude, he used to do that at the bar. So yeah. Will and I uh, went to college together, right? He went to UF yeah. and we would go to the bar and he would be like, he would like meet a group of people yeah. and he'd be talking to them and I'd be like in the group, right? In the little circle. And he'd literally like turn around for a sec to like, sip his drink or whatever in quotes and he would turn back and have the fake tooth pulled and just continue conversation like nothing would happen and the reactions were hysterical and that is that just speaks to the type of human that will is anything for a laugh it seemed like nine times out of ten every morning we woke up the sacco sacrifice was going to be will messina he was so bad at the chip game <laughs> terrible absolutely terrible absolutely terrible you should do people know what the chip game is i barely remember yeah so um just i do remember the, it's hilarious yeah, so the way our summer camp was structured it was boy girls and then you also had three age groups um within each of the genders so you had kind of the youngest the middle and the oldest and each one of those um those campuses is what we call them at our camp they took on their own lifestyle and had their own traditions and little fun shenanigans that would go on. And ours was the sacrifice to the weather god Awana every morning because we were on our camp cove was on Crescent Lake. And I don't know how it started, but somebody got a poker chip. And then usually when counselors would go on a night out and you could play throughout the day, but you wanted to also keep it separate from the kids, you know and not have them get too much of a glimpse into a lifestyle and keep that be one of the cute little camp secrets. But especially when we would go on nights out to bars and stuff, you're trying to get the poker chip into one of your soccer counselor's pockets without them noticing. And they have like, it, it can get hazy, especially when you're drinking, but uh, it can get a little hazy, but you have around a three to about, about some second window to where they couldn't notice. Like if I walk straight up to you and put it in your pocket, and you're like, dude, get this chip out of here. I have to take it back. But if a few seconds go by and it's like 10 seconds, uh, maybe a lamb be like, hey, Smitch, have you been uh, eating a lot of nachos? You look a little heavy. And when they said the heavy line, you just, you're just. You knew, you were like, fuck. Yeah. Cause then, then it's so funny. You would see the soccer counselors go straight from like talking with people and like maybe trying to like flirt with a cute girl to. I've got to unload this chip in a hurry. It is. Yeah, you you have no other priority than to get that chip stuck in someone else's pocket. Yeah, it's like, hey, cute girl, I know we're talking and it seemed like it was going really well. I got to bounce out. <laughs> I got to get. Otherwise, I'm getting sacrificed tomorrow morning. Yeah. And, and she, the last thing you want to do is is have to deal with, you know, I mean, it's fun, but you're like, you don't want to be the sacrifice. It, it is fun, but it. I think for us, it was just a competition thing. We didn't want to yeah. lose. And there's no way to view it other than you're a loser, you know? Yeah, that's, exa that's exactly it. Because the sacrifices were kind of fun. You're just like making a joke of it so that the kids laugh as you like jump into the water first thing in the morning. But you didn't want to lose. That's exactly what it was. It was like, yeah, hell that's... no, I'm not, I'm not holding the chip at the end of the night. No, the, the actual sacrifice, I think I only had to do it one time was fun but just walking up to the beach i was so bitter and sour after i jumped in and was wet and had fun i was like these sons of bitches and like before <laughs> god i will never be sacrificed like that again
<laughs> yeah, but don't worry. You had Wilmacita right there to take 90% of your sacrifices. Yeah. And uh, I think I'm... even the kids started getting annoyed. They'd be like, oh, it's Will again. <laughs> yeah, that was probably what gave it away. They're like, like what, what did Will do in a previous life that Iwana just hates him? Yeah. So, uh, so funny. Oh, man, Sam. I can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast, dude. I uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I was drinking the Rubru out of my uh, mug that uh, Mackenzie sent me. So shout out to oh, MSP yeah. Pottery and Driftwood Ceramics. Oh, so yeah. I got to figure out a way to like send her over a pack or something so she can make yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've actually been messaging her on Instagram and I think we're going to see if we can can do some collabs. So uh, I, I need to, I, I deleted my real Instagram for a little bit. Um, just for a little social media cleanse and I was messaging her on that so I think I need to like transfer the conversation to the Rubru Instagram but she's got some dope pottery for sure oh my god she makes the best and then for her to like send me these uh custom mugs with lapressed and guests oh no um, way yeah so yeah so she sent me one and I don't know if you noticed my um podcast logo but I'm from Philadelphia so my buddy on his galaxy tablet designed that himself and he personally looked up the philadelphia phillies color scheme and the font and did the lapressed and guest background like that and then Mackenzie uh uh sent me the uh, coffee mugs with lapressed and guest and one is blue right there yeah i love it phillies who are, I love who are it. on the run right now dude yeah i know you got i i actually so i, I did a bit of a uh bandwagoning fan dumb to, for the Padres since I just moved to San Diego. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, but no, no longer, man, no longer. Hey, you know, no worries, man. Uh, you guys seem like you're headed in the right direction. I'm glad you're uh, linking up with Mackenzie. So if uh, anything I can do to help that process out, just let me know. And um, yeah, anything I can do to help promote you because more than anything, for my listeners who don't know Smitch, you're going to find a hard time, and I imagine your business partners are the same way. You're going to have a hard time rooting for anybody more than yourself, man. You're such a good guy. I'm so fortunate I get to call you a friend, man, and I'm I'm glad we're catching back up and getting into the fold of each other's lives, man. It's been fun. Oh, dude, I appreciate that a ton, and I, I feel the same way about you. I was so excited when you reached out, and I was like, oh, man, Nicola Presti, like, that's a name I haven't heard in a while, but it's a damn good name to hear. So. Yeah. I want I want to make sure I give people enough time off for me, you know those others. You know, it's a, it's play, play um, a little hard to get. Let that love come back up. Yeah, I feel Jimmy Fisher and I need to give people a break from our energy all the time. It's just like I, I know you guys love us, but it, it can be a lot. It can just be a lot to handle. And you got to handle all that love, right? Like you know, it must be tough having everyone just you know kind of worship you guys a little bit <laughs> it, it honestly can be just overwhelming and, so, and I it's hard you, being this shit yeah 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 and i told you about this is um you actually ended up uh getting camp to give me a few call outs because i told you like as much as i love it's weird i'm a, getting into stand-up comedy so i naturally love the limelight but when i start getting compliments and stuff in public i don't know how to react or handle it i remember one time in the dining hall you just got them to give me a shout out. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I was like, you son of a bitch. And just like, <laughs> so it's, um, it's fun. So I'm also going to put it in my Jeppisode description. But when, not if, when people, the listeners, my friends, when they want to try your product and get hooked into this coffee alternative, what are the best ways to find your product and to get after it? Awesome. Yeah. So 
uh, best way is to just jump right over to our website. It's drinkrubru.com. So that's D-R-I-N-K-R-O-O-B-R-U.com, drinkrubru. Yep. Um, and then our social media, our Instagram is pretty popping. If I do say so myself, we like to air on the comedic side and not the like shove wellness down your face side. Um, so drink Rubru on Instagram as well and TikTok as well. Um, but you know, if, if you want to learn more about Rubru, um, if you know, you're kind of half sold from our conversation here, but you want to really delve into the benefits, uh, we've got an awesome benefits page on our website. Uh, you can pretty much find as much info as you're hoping to learn over there. So feel free to jump over and take a look. And I'm sure you're about to tell them, but we got a discount code for you. Go, go ahead, Sam. Go ahead, man. All right. Go ahead. It's we your got... company. You're the guest, dude. <laughs> well, we, we made a discount code for anyone listening to this podcast. Uh, it is Loprest, L-O-P-R-E-S-T, 20, 2-0. So Loprest 20. Uh, you just enter that at checkout, get yourself 20% off. And that's of anything that we sell. So our small packages are big ones. You can start a subscription with it. Uh, we'll have some merch up there pretty soon as well. So awesome. Yeah. When I get to a, a more official podcast setup and studio as I start to grow and evolve, uh, I'm pretty sure just Rubru is going to be one of my drinks of choice for the podcast and the guests. I'm going to make sure it's going to be out of a dope uh, driftwood ceramics mug. So I can't thank you and uh, Mackenzie enough, man. You guys Dude, are. Hell yeah. What a combo. Your guests are going to be spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Uh... They're gonna be uh they're gonna be drinking the best product out of the best mugs, listening to the best podcast, man. Hell yeah, agreed with all that. I can't wait to see you in a dope ass studio. See some nice like I can picture your logo in the top left, like backlit. It'd be sick. Yeah, and then one thing I don't know if you saw this in the in the email I sent you, but eventually I'm gonna get out to San Diego or one of these times you're back over in Gainesville. I'll make a quick drive down and uh part of my uh one thing I wanted to do was make it an experience and make it a memorable experience for not only me and my guest. And so I bought a bunch of white flags and they're called my podcast flags. So when I do in-person podcast recordings, they'll paint their hand and they'll put their handprint on the flag and then let it dry and then sign it with the episode number. So man, eventually I'm going to get you caught up and uh, make sure we get you taken care of. But Sam Mitchell, Dude, I can't thank you. Enough. Yeah. Absolutely. It would, it would be an honor. And it was it was an honor in the first place. So I, I really appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for having me on. It was a blast. No, no problem. I can't wait to get you back on. And maybe I'll have to come out to San Diego to do that in-person recording sometime. Hey, twist your arm. It's a terrible place to visit. Oh, I know. I know. Just perfect 75 degree weather year round. <laughs> and what I love about San Diego, the one time I visited, it, is you knew you were in California but you also didn't feel like you were being in California just from like, dude, going to LA and stuff. Great. But population density is driving me crazy. And San Diego just had a different vibe from everywhere else in California. I've been, I literally hate LA. Yep. Okay. I, I, you couldn't pay me to live there. Yeah. LA can fuck right off. They can, they can. Yeah. Fuck right off. <laughs> yeah. So all right, man. Well, I'll uh, I'll be in touch with you and uh, let me know whatever I can do to help support you in the company. Okay, brother? Awesome, Nick. I really appreciate it. Anything we can do to support you, same, same, right back to you. And I love that we're just ending on the note of fuck LA. Fuck LA. <laughs> love you, buddy. Cheers, brother. Love you.